You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. What a great honor and privilege it is to open up God's Word with you, our Ridgecrest family, and also with people all around the world as we worship together here online. So if you have your copy of Scripture, I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Now, today, what we're going to be doing is looking at the last few verses in our series on Mark's gospel, and it's a fitting end to this series because what we have are some very practical teachings from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pick up in verse 13, Mark chapter 12 and verse 13, as we begin to contemplate together exactly what Jesus sees. Notice this. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now, if you will, skip down to verse 38. We're going to see another little vignette, if you will, little little narrative, little story, and it goes like this. And his teaching, and in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Now notice that the very next passage deals with a widow and her offering. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's pause and pray. Lord, as we have heard these these three different narratives, these, these tiny stories that give us insight, Lord, into your teaching, but also into our hearts, I pray that you will touch our hearts and transform us. Help us to see, God, what you've called us to do while we're in this world and how we can live for your kingdom. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a young pastor, one of the first books that I read, a preaching book that I read, was a book by John Stock called Between Two Worlds. And I'll never forget that book because it was the first time I had really thought about what I'm doing right now in preaching to you in terms of of how a preacher stands before a congregation and brings this heavenly message from above and brings it down to earth. The preacher is sort of like a bridge between those two worlds. 
And as I've thought about what it means to be a Christian over the years, what I've realized is, is that we are all between two worlds. Every single believer, not just the preacher, but every single Christian believer is sort of in between these two worlds and we are called to bring some of, of heaven, some of heaven's glory, some of heaven's hope and peace and, and the joy that is in Christ down to this earth. That's what we are called to do. And if we're not doing that, then I think we're missing out on our kingdom calling. I think about Paul in Philippians chapter one where he, he says, you know, I, I would love to go on and be with Christ. That's where my heart is. But he says, you know, I need to be here too. I need to continue to share the gospel. He says, I feel pressed between the two. You are a citizen of heaven and so am I if we believe in Jesus. But we first and foremost are here to make a kingdom difference. I love this passage of scripture, these passages of scripture that we've looked at today because I think we get in these passages some great truth and how we can, while we're still in this world, be of great effect. Listen, we may be between two worlds, but I promise you this, we are never beyond Jesus' sight. The Lord knows everything about you, not just what other people see, not just what's going on in the outside realm of your existence, but God knows down deep inside what is happening in your heart. He knows your heart. Now, what's crazy about that is, is God knows what's going on in your heart and he still loves you. But today, as we look to God's word, we're going to see that as Jesus looks into our hearts, many times he sees some pretty negative things. In fact, two of the three stories we're talking about here today show us more of the darker side of human nature. But we're going to finish by looking at what true worship looks like, what true devotion looks like, and what, what can happen when our hearts are truly on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're between two worlds, yes, but friend, it's time to bring heaven down to earth. The first example we have here is, I want to focus on verses 38 and 40. So if you'll go to that part, that portion of our scripture for today, we want to talk about beware the scribes. And I want to paint for you a vision of false faith. I think this is important. Many times it's helpful to know what real, something real is by, by first examining kind of the false element, okay? So that's what we're going to do. And these teachings of Jesus, as, as he nears the cross, as he gets closer to the cross here in Mark chapter 12, his teachings become very practical. Now they are profound, but they're more practical. They're more down to earth as opposed to being up in the heavens. And that's important for us. Jesus gives us some very, very solid data here for our lives. I know that I want to go to heaven someday, and I love to read about heaven, but many times I think the saints of God are missing the moment here on earth because we're focused on heaven. Jesus won't let us do that. But if you take a look here at this passage of scripture, as, as Jesus talks with these individuals in verse 38, he's talking to the scribes. And the scribes were a, a group of people, unfortunately, that in the New Testament represent sort of religion off the rails, false teachings, false beliefs, even bad religion, if you want to call it that. And one of the greatest dangers I think that we face in the world today is false religion. 
Our secular friends, those who, who aren't churchgoers and don't care much for religion, will often talk about the devastating impact that religion has had on the world. That's only true when that religion is false. False religion is destructive. And so that's why Jesus would say, look there in verse 38, beware of the scribes. That word beware is a powerful warning word telling us that if we're not careful, we could be in great, great trouble. And that great trouble is of the soul and of the heart when our faith is off the rails, okay? Now, the scribes were sort of like the lawyers of their day. They were very well versed in the scriptures. They were the ones who were the uh, official, uh, I think you would call them the official experts of the law. But what we do know about them was that they were kind of an interesting group of people. They weren't like professors that were tenured at a university. They were actually more itinerant. They would, they would go around and it was, their, it was their lot in life to sort of uh, get money from people as they went. So as they would travel around, they would try to gin up support. They would try to get money. And obviously, many of them were unscrupulous in the way they did that. And they, they, they did things kind of in an evil way. Because Jesus says right here in verse 40, he says, many of you are devouring widows' houses. Now, it's interesting that the very next story we learn about is about a widow who gives her last two cents. That's, that's interesting. I, I wonder if those things are connected. But what we have here, we have people who are claiming to be religious, but they're, they're preying on those who are most vulnerable in the society. Let me say this. If your faith, if your religion is causing you to tear down the most vulnerable, then you don't have true religion. It's not true faith. Those who have the true faith of God in the gospel of grace are not tearing down those who are most at risk, but building them up. These individuals were very dangerous because they had the look of professionals, but they had no real profession of faith. Church, we need to be discerning. We need to make sure as we're looking out in the world, when we see false faith, we need to call it what it is. We don't need to say, well, they're doing some good. We need to be bold enough as Jesus was to say, beware. Beware those who put on a show. Beware of those who are, are in it for the money or for any reason that's beyond the gospel. Jesus is warning us here. Look at verse 39. He says, these are the kind of people that have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Uh, they enjoy clout when in public. Look at verse 38. They like the greetings in the marketplace. In other words, everywhere there is a chance to be visible and to make it look like they're really doing something for God, Jesus says, you know, they're showing out. And he says, that's not acceptable. You know, the real tragedy here the real tragedy is not just that these guys are doing bad things, but of all the people who should have known better, it should have been the scribes. They had every spiritual advantage. They had the word of God. They were experts in the word of God, but they had lost their vision of who God was and had a false faith. As I was thinking about this passage, the image that came to mind was that of a little child scarfing down a very expensive meal. Imagine if you took your little one to a, a fancy steak restaurant and spent a bunch of money on, on an expensive meal and instead of, uh, of enjoying it, you see that kid just tear into it and scarf it down. Well, I think the scribes are sort of like that. They didn't even seem to taste the scriptures. They had them inside of them, but they didn't enjoy them for what they were. 
I, I was thinking about this um, and, and ran across this quote. Uh, Charles Bridges, a, a pastor from over 100 years ago, he said to preachers, he said, you must first taste the word before distributing it. That's good advice for preachers, but that's good advice for you and I. To avoid false faith, we have to not just know the word of God, we have to taste it, enjoy it, and then we're able to share it with a smile on our face, knowing that it is truly good. These scribes had not really tasted the scriptures. They were familiar with the doctrines, but they were not living out the faith. That is not good enough. I wonder how many people today, they go to church, they live good lives, but it doesn't seem like they're really serving Christ. I have, in my experience, ran across people who were more concerned about their reputation than their Redeemer, and that is unacceptable. You know, I, I can't judge you any more than you can judge me in this regard, but I tell you this, Jesus knows your motivations. He knows your heart. And here he reveals the scribes' hearts so that our hearts will not go in the same direction. How is your heart? Where do you stand before God? Because these individuals, verse 40 tells us that these individuals, they will receive the greater condemnation because they have failed to follow God. Listen, when it comes to what we're called to do as Christians, we're not called to point a finger at people and tell them how wrong they are. That's not the way it works. You cannot reprove others with God's word if you are not yourself above reproach. That's another quote from an old preacher, uh, actually 200 years ago. Uh, he said that, and, and as I was reading that this week, my heart was reminded that we are all called to a higher standard, and it has to be higher than the scribes. Think about this. Jesus preaches love to sinners and judgment to the religious. If the gospels teach us anything about human nature, it is that there are many people who are religious and there are few people who love Jesus. So what does God see when he looks into your heart? Hopefully not this false faith. Very quickly, let's take a look at this story of render unto Caesar. Um, and we have here a view of human cleverness. All right, so April 15th has come and gone. I know this year the uh, federal government has given an extension. So I guess we can, we can uh, preach this passage even though it's not April 15th anymore. But this passage is not just about civics. It really is another picture of the human heart. Now, now the scribes give us a picture of sort of that false faith and not being able to really experience um, the gospel and true doctrine. But here we have individuals who are, are maybe too clever for their own good. In other words, they're more concerned about, about having the, 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 the words that, that grab people's attention and, and make a difference in that way. So a perennial problem, I think, in the world today is that when we look at um, what we're called to do. Many of us struggle because we think about, okay, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm also a part of, 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 of a country. I'm a United States citizen. I'm, a, I'm also a citizen of the kingdom. And, and there's some tension there. This passage is really interesting because it's one of the few passages in scripture that shows that tension. And Jesus gives us, I think, some amazing answers. Now, once again, here's the secret. The secret isn't to be found in politics. The secret really is in your heart. 
Your heart is what matters. And Jesus gets right down to that issue here. Now, as, as we look at the passage, I want you to notice here, um, as we've gone back now to chapter 12, verse 13 and following, notice in verse 13, you see that these individuals, the Herodians and the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. Jesus says in verse 15, why put me to the test? He says these things because these individuals, uh, they're trying not to find truth. They're trying to make Jesus look bad. And here's the question they ask in verse 14. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Now let me tell you why that's so clever. It's so clever because if Jesus says pay your taxes, the zealots of, of the nation of Israel would rise up against him and say, well, you're not the Messiah. If he says don't pay your taxes, well, then the Herodians and the Pharisees are going to turn him into, Jesus into the Roman authorities for being a, a tax evader. You talk about you can't win. So here's why they marveled. Verse 17 says that these guys marveled at Jesus because he didn't take the bait. Now, here's something to notice here in the passage. In verse 15, Jesus didn't even have a nickel to his name, a denarius to his name. He had to borrow one and he borrows one and he says, hey, look and see who's on this coin. Who is it? And they said, well, it's Caesar. And Jesus says, well, then render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. If you right now, of course, many of you are probably still in your pajamas because that's the way it works these days. When we come back to church, no pajamas, okay? But, but right now, probably some of you are still in your pajamas. So I doubt that you have your billfold on you guys or ladies that you have your purse with you. But if you did, you would most likely have a dollar or two in your wallet. When you look at that, it has secular figures, you know, presidents and people like that, powerful people from our history. And when you look at that, you realize that, that, that that's their realm. That's their, their picture. And that means it's the, the government money. It's the same kind of thing. Jesus is saying, listen, if you're a part of a country, you need to be a good citizen. It's important for us to know that and to think that, especially here in an election year. But there's something more going on here than just a lesson in civics. There's a deeper truth. Notice what Jesus says in verse 17. He says that the things of God, he said, and to, the, and to God, the things that are God. So render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but to God, the things that are God's. The scriptures reveal, we see in Genesis 1:26 that we are all made in the image of God. So what started out as a civics question, quickly, Jesus is able to shift gears and take us to a very deep spiritual place. The ultimate question isn't about your taxes, okay? Your ultimate question is about your relationship with your creator. And if you are made in God's image, then you are God's. No matter who you are, brother or sister, I want you to know you are made in the image of God. And so that means you are God's. That's the most important thing of all for us to see in this passage, that, that we are loved by God, but we are God's. You see, we, we are God's possession. Let me put it that way. We are his. He loves us deeply. And God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. That's, that's how we know that we're in his image. That's how we know that we are loved. That's such an important thing. But let's talk about the Pharisees and Herodians for a moment because they were worrying more about uh, physical stewardship. They were asking the question, of course, to trip up Jesus, but they, they, were, they were caught in this world and Jesus takes them to another world. You see, I think there's something here that we need to grasp, that we need to understand. 
Yeah, pay your taxes. Yeah, be a good citizen. But you need to realize this. Ultimately, give your heart fully to God. There is no excuse for anything less than that. Some of us perhaps would never cheat on our taxes, but many times we've cheated when it comes to giving ourselves to the Lord. Now, notice I'm not speaking specifically of tithes and offerings when I say that. I'm talking about really the stewardship of our entire hearts. You see, God knows our hearts. We can still write checks and be in the wrong place. What really matters is that our hearts match the gift. Not just what comes out of our wallet, but really what comes out of our mouth. What comes from our hearts. It needs to be uh, for the Lord and from the Lord. So think about this. These these individuals here, the Herodians and the Pharisees, they were clever. There's no doubt. But they weren't Christ-like. And the world doesn't need Christians to be clever The world needs Christians like you and me to to just be a reflection of his glory and his beauty. So here with the Pharisees and the Herodians, we have another example of hearts that aren't quite right. They're more concerned with the things of this world than the things of God. But now that gives us the beautiful opportunity to look at verses 41 and following. We see here to the end of the chapter, verse 44, a beautiful story about the widow's two cents. And what we have here is a vision of true devotion. I think it is sad that the Bible has to give us so many negative examples, but it's just true to form. It's, it's the way we are. We need to see those darker sides of ourselves and of our own hearts. I know it's, you know, you, you, right now many of you can go and tune me out and listen to another preacher that tells you you're the greatest person in the world, you've never done anything wrong. The only problem with that is, is that's completely contrary to the scriptures. The scriptures tell us about our deep brokenness and the dark sin of, sin of our hearts, but it doesn't leave us there. It doesn't leave us in that place of despair, we are told that we have something glorious at work for us. And that something glorious is the Son of God and what he's done for us and the Holy Spirit bringing us to him. And this last short little vignette, this little story, we have one of the the, the last teachings of Jesus. And I want you to look at the text here. Verse 41 says that he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. It's almost like when you see Jesus sitting down, that's a rare kind of thing. It seems like he just uh, is worn out after a long day of, of, of fighting with people who are, who are not listening to the message, and he just sits down, and he looks across the way, and he looks at one of the 13 treasure boxes that were set up around the temple where people could come and bring their offerings. Many people, verse 41 tells us, were bringing in large sums of money, and they would dump those, those bags of coins into those treasure boxes, and I'm sure the clanging sound was there and everybody would stop and wow that's a lot of money that that person put in and though others may have been impressed Jesus was not impressed but what did he find impressive verse 42 says he saw a widow a widow who had perhaps been been fleeced by the scribes maybe that's her story maybe that's why Jesus tells this uh, gives us this this account right after um, he 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 Um, reprimands the scribes for devouring widows but he points out that this lady has given everything that she has she didn't give one of her last two coins she gave them both 
far more than the law required. Some people ask me, well, do you believe that tithing is a New Testament doctrine? Well, it's not mentioned specifically, but passages like this tell me that the tithe is the beginning point of faithfulness, not the ending point. That when we come to the ending point, if you want to see the culmination of faithfulness and stewardship, it's more the widow's might than it is the tithe. God is asking us to give more than just 10%. I think about all of us as as believers. Again, it's not just about our money, but we need to give Jesus more than 10% of our time and energies, our talents, much less our treasure. The widow gives us, I think, the window into where we should be, and that is that our hearts need to be fully on fire for Jesus. Jesus sees all the way down into the heart of this dear lady. You see, Jesus is not impressed with those who dress the part. Notice, if you remember again, the scribes, they wear the long robes, verse 38. They put on a show, but they don't have the right hearts. He's not impressed with the clever um, Herodians or Pharisees either. They have all the answers except for the answers that matter the most about the heart. But where Jesus is impressed is with a woman who spares nothing to worship her God. We cannot go through the motions any longer as believers. We cannot just have clever words and we cannot just play the game as if there is um, nothing at stake. What is at stake here is truly eternity. The widow is a picture of true devotion, 100% being God's. And that's what we need to be aiming for. We are a people, I believe, between two worlds. But this world needs more heaven in it. And that's where you come in. As a believer, God has you here so that you can bring a little bit more focus on heaven. A heart focused on heaven will be filled with heavenly virtues like love and joy and peace. Now let me speak frankly with you for these last couple of minutes. I believe that the church has grown too comfortable over the years. Uh, Not just Ridgecrest, but most churches today in America, before COVID-19, we were truly a a comfortable uh, group of churches. A lot of churches had, had all that they needed, the resources that they needed, and we were going along as if life would never change. Life has changed. And now we have an opportunity to really look down deep into our hearts Yes, we're doing a a refreshment of our facilities, but as the Lord has been touching my heart, what I want us to think about is it's not about what we project. It's not what we show. It's not about fancy backdrops. It's not about fancy auditoriums. It's about hearts like the widows who are willing to give everything to Jesus. I am so excited because when I talk to the people here at Ridgecrest, I hear people who want to do more than put on a show for Jesus. They want to be completely sold out for Jesus. And there is no middle ground here. I think the widow gives us her two cents. And if you don't mind, I'll give you mine. What does Jesus want? He wants all of your heart right now. No exceptions. Jesus sees what we're giving. And what we need to realize is this. We need the power of another world to change the world. Our strength is not enough. But I believe as we look here at this passage, as we conclude with this poor widow, what we realize is, is that the Lord cares for those who are the very weakest, those who are the most vulnerable. And one of the ways that we show that our heart is right 
is that we quit worrying about all the trappings of materialism, all the things that the world deems as successful, and we begin to truly live for Jesus with all of our hearts. Let's get real about worship. Let's give our whole hearts to Jesus. Let's get real about ministry and start moving more of our monies and our energies towards those who are most at risk. James 1.27 puts it like this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Ridgecrest, I can't wait for us to get back together as we begin to unpack the vision that God has given us as a church. We are going to be a church that has this religion that is pure and undefiled. I want God to see um, us working for him, not because we want to put on a good show, but because our hearts have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's something that we want Jesus to see and we want the world to see also. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.